0: This is Jalen, and you're listening to the Firm Foundation Church Podcast, where you'll get weekly episodes featuring your favorite sermons straight from our in person Sunday morning services. Check it out. So, today, like I said just a moment ago, we're beginning a brand new series, and it's entitled From This Day Forward. Now, most of us that are married in here probably made this statement on the day that we got married. From this day forward, I will love and cherish you for as long as I live, that I will commit my life to you. And we made several commitments to each other after we made the statement, because from that moment forward, we went from being single To married. We went from living for ourselves to making a decision to serve the spouse that we were marrying on that day. And so that's the series that we're in. We're talking about from this day forward and over the next five weeks, I'm I'm hoping to give you some uh, key investments that will help you in your marriage, uh, and so what we're going to do every single week is there's going to be one key commitment that I'm going to be highlighting, and I believe that if you will apply these things in your marriage and in your relationships, then it will help to fail-proof your marriage. None of that's a guarantee, but I know if you will adopt these principles and uh, uh, utilize them inside of your marriage, it will help fail, fail-proof your marriage. And so we're going to give you some tools throughout this series and uh, hopefully prepare you and equip you for a godly marriage. All right, so I want to begin with a story. Uh, there was once upon a time a married couple who got in an argument. Has that ever happens in your marriage? Probably most of you would say never. So I'll just say, once upon a time, my wife and I have argued, (laughs) all right? So we're gonna talk about a couple that has gotten an argument. And what happens sometimes when we argue? We, for whatever reason, decide to give each other the silent treatment. Has anybody done that as a, as a way to get back at your, at your spouse? (laughs) Uh, And so this same thing happened to this couple. They were giving each other the silent treatment and kind of two days in, neither one of them had broke. Uh, but the husband, uh, knew that he was going to have to have his wife help him get up for an early flight that he was going to be taking out of Chicago. And so instead of talking to his wife, he got a note card and he wrote on it, please help me get up at 5 a.m. He wasn't going to be the one to break the silence. And then he put it on her pillow or on her nightstand. And so he went to sleep, hoping and believing that his wife was going to wake him up at 5 a.m. so he wouldn't miss his flight. Lo and behold, he didn't wake up at 5 a.m., but he woke up at 9 a.m. looked at the clock and got all flustered and was about to go find his wife to let him let her have it. And then all of a sudden he realized there was a note on his nightstand and it says, "Good morning. It's 5 a.m. Wake up." Yeah. Some of you will get that joke later on this afternoon, but she too was not going to break the silent treatment. So she just continued on with it. Uh, You know, when we laugh and it's funny, but it's sadly true. Right, These are some things that we do in our marriages that aren't necessarily healthy, and, and so I'm hoping that we can help you and equip you throughout the series. For those of you that are married, for those of you that are single and hope to be married one day, um, I'm hoping we can share some things with you as well that's going to prepare you uh, for marriage. And so I want to um, share an example with you for just a moment. My wife and I are both childhood cancer survivors, uh, my wife specifically had leukemia when she was two years old. Uh, and so what they were doing to all the kids that had leukemia back then is they were taking them through something that's called chemotherapy. Uh, and chemotherapy is a powerful drug that gets put in your system. And the goal of this drug is to get in there and to kill all the cancer cells But if you keep the chemo in your body, it could do further damage. And so what they would do is they would give you chemotherapy, and then a few hours later, they would give you an antidote that would keep it from doing further damage in your body. And so here's something that I am convinced of in marriage. In order to stay married, you have to have some level of stubbornness. Uh, stop elbowing your spouses i see i see what you're doing there you do have to have some level of stuff stubbornness but then you also have to have the antidote of humility and a sense of humor to keep that stubbornness from killing one or both of you does that make sense You know, over the next five weeks, I want to help you with that. I want to give you some antidotes that I think can help cure some of those toxic things that are happening in your relationships and those mindsets that you're carrying around with you. And I believe that these things are going to be helping me in my marriage because I will be the first one to admit today, my marriage is not perfect. It is sure enough, when I begin to preach on a marriage series, guess what starts to happen in my home? My wife and I start to argue and fight more than we do when I'm not in a marriage series. And so I am having to adopt these things and apply them in my own marriage and in life so that they can strengthen our marriage. And so I want you to do the same thing. You know, I want us to get stubborn about this, fighting for each other and not against each other. It's important that we fight for one another. That we realize that we're on the same team. That I'm not trying to win the battle. She's not trying to win the battle. But we're trying to win together. And so, it's so important that we don't lose that mentality. You know, I want to. Rec- I want us to recognize that the stakes are pretty high, uh, and it's necessary that we do all that we can to make our marriages uh, good and strong because our children are watching. Uh, The church needs strong marriages. Our nation needs couples that are living out godly principles. And the future is dependent on what we do in our marriages today. And so one of our foundations that we have as a church, uh, we talked about this in the last series that we're in, but it's that we want to make a decision that we are going to fight for unity. And so I want you to make a decision today that in your marriage from this day forward, You're going to fight for your marriage and not against your spouse. That's something that we've got to have solidified in our life. You know, if we can't be in unity in the most foundational relationship that God has ordained in marriage, what hope do we have for the church as a whole? And so through this series, there's going to be some weeks that we're going to focus more on uh, spiritual truths. And there's going to be some weeks that we focus on some more practical things in nature that we need to discuss uh, regarding marriage. Um, There was a quote that we came across in this book called Emotionally Healthy uh, Spirituality by Peter. I don't know exactly how to say his name, but I think it's it's Skazero. Something along those lines. And this is a quote that he made, which I think is so good. You you can't be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And and so throughout this series, we're going to address some spiritual things that you and I need to pay attention to, but we're also going to look at the practical side. Uh, My family, we were missionaries in Guatemala for six years, and something that we learned was so key and important was holistic ministry. Uh, we recognized in the the villages and pueblitos that we went to that there was poverty, but it wasn't just a physical, monetary poverty but it was a poverty of mind. It was a poverty of emotion. It was a a physical poverty and it was a spiritual poverty. And so we could go in there and tell them all that we could about Jesus, but if we ignored all those other areas of their life that were not in the correct order, then it would be very difficult for them to ever grow. And so what did we have to do? We had to send in agriculturalists to go work with the farmers and help them improve their farming. And then while we were doing that, we could address the spiritual needs in their life. We had to address the the physical sickness that they had in our life with our doctors so that we could then turn and speak to the spiritual need that was in their life. And and so we're going to try to do the same thing as we go through the series. We're going to speak to the spiritual problems. but We're also going to address some of the practical things that you and I can do um, to improve and to grow in our marriages. Uh, you know, when you get married, there's a lot of expectations that all of us have going in. Uh, different expectations. And, and then when married life doesn't meet up to those expectations, we're let down. We're disappointed. Some of us are even angry because... We have unmet expectations. Things aren't going the way that we hoped or, or thought they should. Uh, in fact, there's even potentially some of you that are in here today that are asking this question. Is it even possible for marriage to be good? Can marriage even be good? And I want you to know today, there's a resounding answer to that question and it is yes. And marriage can't just be good, but it can be great. But here's the thing that I'm understanding. It's not likely, if you're gonna keep doing what everybody else is doing in culture and society around you, if you're gonna model how they're uh, treating each other and how they're living out their married lives, most likely we're gonna get to this place of having brokenness in our marriages. Why? Because here's what we know. Marriages are failing left and right. Statistics tell us that roughly 50% of marriages won't last did you hear me? Statistics say 50% of your marriages will not last. That's crazy. And the numbers even go up from there, the younger you are when you get married. That's a scary statistic to hear. And even for those that survive the marriage and are in that 50% that makes it, some of them don't have marriages that are thriving. In fact, they're struggling. They're just doing all they can to hold it together. They're just staying together for the sake of the kids. There's no intimacy. Things aren't like they should be and they're struggling. And so the odds are stacked against us. And if we keep doing what everybody else is doing, most likely we're gonna fail. Let me ask you this question for a moment. In what areas of your life are you okay with 50-50 odds? That are stacked against you. What you think about it? If there's a fifty percent chance of you getting cancer, if you keep eating salad, are you going to keep eating salad? But that's why I don't eat salad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chances are, if that's the case, you're going to stop eating salad today, right? Yes. No. You're going to keep eating the toxins? No. You know, if there's a 50% chance that you're going to lose all of your money tomorrow by the end of your workday, what are you going to do? You're going to move your assets. You know, you're going to change up some things and withdraw some funds so that they're safe. You're not going to take on that 50% chance of losing them. If there's a 50% chance that you would die in a car accident when you leave here today, how many of you would start walking home? after service you know Uh, i know i would if there's a 50 percent chance that you're going to get attacked by a herd of people eating pheasants at a restaurant today i'm guessing you're going to go home and eat a home-cooked meal right when odds are stacked against you in major areas of your life you're going to not go towards the risk but you're going to play it safe you're going to change up some things so that the odds are stacked in your favor right Yet in marriage, we all jump into it and commit to love each other till death do us part when there are 50% odds of chances that it won't last according to the statistics. You know, are we glutens for punishment? Do we take it too lightly? You know, are we caught up in blissful ignorance? You know, maybe... but I kind of think it's because we believe deep down that marriage is noble. We believe it's a worthy lifelong endeavor to throw ourselves into, despite the fact that we know it's gonna be hard. Uh, we believe it's uh, worth it, but if we have a brain in our heads, we would all be working consistently to keep ourselves in our marriages healthy. We'd be investing in our marriages more than any other relationship besides our relationship with the Lord. And we wouldn't let ourselves get too lazy, too self-absorbed, or too much of the wrong kind of stubborn. And so we're gonna jump into this series and we're gonna make some commitments that from this day forward, we are gonna choose to be the spouse that God has called us to be. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us. Lord, we pray over every marriage that's represented here. Lord, we pray over everyone that isn't married but desires to be married. And Father, I pray that you would equip them, that you would guide them, that you would speak them today and give them what they need for this season of life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so each week we've got a a main key investment that we're going to be focusing in on in our marriages. And the first one that we're going to look at today is a spiritual one. Uh, And it's the one that I think is probably the most important. Uh, I believe it's foundational in our marriages. And if we are going to have strong, healthy, uh, and fun marriages, we need to be committed to this, to seek God. Uh, That's the title of our message and the direction where we're going this morning, but this is one of the commitments that we need to be focused on in our marriages uh, and individually is that we are going to seek God. Uh, Marriage is hard because we fall in love with the best of ourselves, but then we have to live the rest of our lives with the worst of ourselves and the worst of each other. Uh, You know, it's kind of humorous, but it's the truth. Uh, We have two young adults that are actually here this morning and I'll try not to embarrass them too much, Uh, but they are madly in love with somebody right now. And it's so fun to to watch their young, naive uh, love for each other. But uh, it can also remind us of uh, some times when we were younger, but our our son at one point uh, told us that he was just in love with this uh, girl and he was pretty sure that she's the smartest girl that he's ever met. Now, we love her a lot. She's incredible. We think they are a great match, but is she the smartest girl that we have ever met? Probably not, but that's what love tells you, right? That's what love tells you. I remember being there 23 years ago and being head over heels for Christina and thinking that everything she did, she walked on clouds and she was amazing and there was no bad parts about her, right? I remember being there in that relationship. Um, but the crazy thing is, is that marriage can't survive the disappointments that come from all of us just simply being human. If we are depending on our spouse to be our source of joy, peace, and overall fulfillment, then we're missing out on something. And so I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture that's going to give us some antidotes to keep us from ending up in those places that we don't want to be in our marriages, all right? So if you're at Matthew 22, you can turn there. This will be the very first passage that we're in together. We're going to look at verses 37 through 40. It says, Jesus replied, You must love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All right, Psalms 90 verse 14 says, Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. And then Matthew 6 verses 31 through 33. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. You see, God's desire for us is to find all that we need in Him first. If we do that, then no matter what, we will find satisfaction. You know, if we marry or we don't marry, we will be satisfied in our relationship with God. If we are successful or if we aren't, we will be satisfied. If we land the dream job, have the nice house, loaded vehicles, two and a half smart and athletic kids, Or if we don't, we'll be satisfied. If you can find that satisfaction before you get married, I can guarantee you that marriage will be so much better. And if you're already married, then we need to make this the first priority from this day forward, is that we're going to seek God first. And so I want you to write this principle down. God is your one and your spouse is your two. God is your one, and your spouse is your two. Now, I want to take just a moment and speak to the singles. Here's the commitment that I want you guys to put in front of you through the message today. Uh, For those of you that want to be married one day, here's your commitment. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one While preparing for my two. Uh, When you're single uh, and waiting to be married, um, above everything else, the thing that needs to be right in front of you is this commitment is that I am choosing to honor God with the way I'm living my, with the way I'm living my life. Uh, I want to love Him. I want to, to seek Him. I want to, to please Him. I want to know Him. I want to be led by His Spirit. All that I am wants to uh, bring honor and glory to God. But the problem is, is a lot of times in these younger years, we aren't at all focused on that. We are, we are more focused on seeking a spouse, going after uh, the things that bring satisfaction, and we aren't at all focused on, on seeking God. And when we do that, when we do make this decision that we are going to seek God, we find this promise that we read about just a moment ago in, in Matthew 6.33 that says, when you seek the kingdom of God above all else, What will happen? He will give you everything that you need. We've got to seek the one while preparing for my two. You know, one of the main problems in our culture and society and why marriages are failing left and right is because we're missing this. Uh, This gets put off maybe to a later date when I'm older and mature, then I'll follow God. Then I'll get my life right. Then it'll be back on track where it needs to be. You know, when we graduate high school and we become a young adult, we're, we're missing it. Seeking God and making him our one is not at all our focus. We seek after things that bring us immediate pleasure and that make us feel good. Uh, We dabble in relationships like one-night stands and and friends with benefits. And maybe we even uh, uh, experiment with same-sex attraction. Uh, And we try all of these things that our culture says is okay and what will lead to love. You know, we think that whatever we want or desire is what what, what it is that we should be pursuing. But that kind of lifestyle is incredibly dangerous. And unfortunately... It's incredibly common. And that's why the divorce rate is so high. That's why marriages are failing. And so we're modeling our lives based off of what culture and society tells us to do. And that leads to places of hurt. That leads to marriages failing. If you want to have a godly marriage one day, then live for God today. Become the kind of person that you want to marry one day. If you want 50% odds stacked against you in marriage, then do what everybody else is telling you to do. But if you want some better odds, then seek the one while preparing for your two. For all the married folks, here's your commitment in this first week of the sermon series. And it's this, I will always seek the one with my two. I will always seek the one with two. My two. Um, Christine and I have, have watched a show called "White Collar." Anybody else seen that TV show? Uh, it's a really good TV show. In fact, we just finished it for the second time, um, just a few weeks ago. We, we love the TV show. We think it's really great. You know, one of the main characters, his name is Neil Caffrey. Uh, And he's just so cunning. Uh, He ends up being a thief that's thrown into prison. uh, And the FBI pulls him out of prison and they use him as a CI uh, for different investigations. And he's extremely talented. Um, He's a talented artist and he's really good at counterfeiting things, at counterfeiting paintings and and sculptures and coins or pretty much anything he puts his mind to. Uh, He is good at uh, replicating it. And so he would uh, be, he would go into uh, museums and different places and he would take his replicas and he would exchange them for the authentic pieces and no one would be the wiser. Uh, In fact, there's a good chance that they may never know because it would look so authentic uh, from the original. You know, God sets up marriage as a replica, hang on with me for just a moment, God sets up our marriages as replicas to represent the relationship that he wants individually with us. Here's a verse from Isaiah that is written from God to, uh, uh, God to his people, the Jews. In Isaiah 62, five, it says, as a young man marries a young, young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Uh, And later on, Christ um, arose from the grave and and the church became established. He called his church the bride of Christ. Because he wants to have this authentic and intimate relationship with you and I. And he created marriage to replicate that individual relationship that we're supposed to have with him. Uh, Check this out in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean. "'Washed by the cleansing of God's word. "'He did this to present her to himself "'as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle "'or any other blemish. "'Instead, she will be holy and without fault. "'In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives "'as they love their own bodies. "'For a man who loves his wife "'actually shows love for himself.'" As he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. You know, I believe this is one of the main reasons godly marriages are so important in churches because God has ordained them to represent his relationship with us. You know, the world should be able to look at marriages of believers and say, man, there's something there that's authentic and uh, sacred and honorable, and, and there's a commitment there, not like I have, and it should be something that they too desire. They should be able to learn from our marriages. And as they watch them and learn from them, it should invite them around the table and into our lives. And that will give us the opportunity to go deeper and share that it's so much more than just about a marriage, but it's about a relationship with our maker. Our marriages are built on the foundation of even something that's a more sacred relationship, which is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is our primary goal in marriage. It's for the world to ultimately see that relationship for themselves, to replicate something Hear this this morning. To replicate something, we have to intricately study the original. To replicate something, we have to int- int- um, intricately study the original. We have to know every detail. We have to invest just as much, if not more time, with the original than we ever do with the replica. And so this relationship with the one is key in order for this relationship that's two to succeed. And so that's where it has to begin. And so I wanna challenge you today, your marriage will only be as strong as your relationship is with your maker. You know, Christina and I have a lot in common. Uh, We grew up together, we grew up in the same town, we grew up in the same church, uh, our friend, our families were friends growing up. We both loved music. We led worship in our, our youth group. We've, we've known each other for years. We're, we're both 60% introvert, you know, which means we love being around people, but we also like just being at home by ourselves. And, and so we have a lot of different things in common. We both were childhood cancer survivors. And so there's a lot of different ways that we can relate with one another. Uh, we, but here's the deal. We're, we're both not fans of conflict either. Uh, but despite all of our similarities, we have very, very, very stark differences. There are things about my wife that drive me crazy. And there are things about me that drive my wife crazy, even though we have a lot in common. But I can honestly say this morning that our marriage is in a good place. And I would almost even venture to say that it's in a great place, even though there's struggles and difficulties week in and week out. And here's the reason why it's in a good place today. It's not because of our similarities, but it's because we keep God at the center of our individual uh, lives. And God's grace and His insight and His conviction speaks to us and gives us direction on how we're supposed to be treating one another. You know, we go to him separately to complain, God, this woman you gave me is driving me crazy. And then he begins to speak, well, you need to stop doing these things and she won't drive you crazy anymore. And so what happens? I begin to change and things get better in my marriage. And so that's something that we've got to be committed to, to to going after the one uh, with our two. Time after time, he has kindly and graciously pointed out our own faults and, and negative behaviors towards one another. When all that we could see was each other's sins or shortcomings. And then he somehow gives us the humility to apologize. How many of you know that's hard? to apologize to your spouse, I was wrong. But those are some words that we need to learn and adopt very quickly in marriage. And I can recognize where I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And here's the thing that has happened time and time and time again as my marriage is, this is how we've had to posture ourselves, And I believe that we'll continue to, to, to navigate marriage that way until the day that uh, we die. But here's the fact that I've discovered that it is so worth it. It's so worth living your life this way. It's so worth living marriage this way. Uh, I don't regret at all saying I do. It's one of the best decisions that I've made short of dedicating my life to following Jesus. Even when the odds have been stacked against our marriage, we've done the work that we've needed to and be sur- been surrendered to a God that has helped us navigate our marriage. Matthew 19, 26 says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Maybe it seems like where your marriage is at today, it's not in a good place and there is no way it's ever going to be good. Can I just encourage you for a moment? But God, when he is at the center of your life and you're following him and serving him, he will help you overcome the odds. And what seems impossible, he will say it is not impossible without me. But here's the deal, it's not gonna be easy. But we've chosen both to seek the one with our two. And that's the thing that's gonna help us navigate it all. And so as a result, he has graciously held us together. And so here's three things that I want you to set as a foundation in your marriage. I'm going to, I'm going to share these quickly. So you're going to want to write these down, but I believe that these need to be at the foundation of every, every marriage, especially as we're beginning this first week of the series. And so here's the first one. Decide once and for all that God is the only one who can meet your needs. Decide once and all that God is the only one that can meet your needs. It's not your spouse that completes you. It's not your spouse that fulfills you. That's what the world tells us. But when we seek the one, he fulfills us. He satisfies us. He gives us what we need so that we can then serve our spouses. You see, when you made the commitment to marry your spouse, it wasn't so that she would be your better half so that she would complete you and fulfill you. It was actually, you were committing your life to serving her, to serving him for the rest of your life. That's what marriage is, is choosing to serve them because you love them that much. And so decide once and for all that God is the only one who can meet your needs. Secondly, recognize that your marriage is a representation of Christ and the church. If you can get this imagery in your mind, I'm hoping it will help you in in replicating that authenticity that you have with Jesus Christ. And it will lead others into a relationship with the Lord. And so recognize that your marriage is a representation of Christ in the church. And, And thirdly, seek the one separately and together. Uh, It's so important that we are doing the work individually to have a close and intimate relationship uh, with the Lord, but it's something that we also need to do together. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I hope this is okay. I want to give you some homework as you're leaving here this morning. Is that appropriate? Is that okay as your pastor and the new school year is start? uh, You know, all your kids are taking all this homework home and now I think it's your turn. All right, you got to do some work in your marriage if you want it to go uh, from just surviving to, to thriving, from just being okay to great. And so here's some homework that I want to give you. Uh, for, and I want you to do this every day this week, not just a couple of times once, one time, and I want you to do this every single day this week. And then from after this week moving forward, I want you to adopt this and make this a, a consistent part uh, of your marriage. Uh, make it a regular occurrence from this moment forward. All right. Here's the first one. Pray for each other separately sometime during the day. Your homework is to daily pray for your spouse. And I don't want you just to say, Lord, you see how they are bothering me, fix it. (laughs) But I want you to intercede. I want you to say, oh God, would you speak to her? Would you give her the words of life that she needs? I pray God that you would fill her with your spirit, that you would encourage her. Lord, would you show me my role in helping her this week? And I want you to begin to pray and intercede for your spouse like you never have before. Here's the second thing that I want you to do. I want you to pray together at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. And here's what you need to do. Some of you are going to need to put it in your calendar because you're, you're, you've got so much going on and or some of that's just the way that your brain works. It's administrative. And so you need to put it in your calendar at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. And I want you to make a commitment to pray together. And maybe it starts off and it's difficult and it's awkward, and you really don't know what to pray for, here's my guarantee to you. If you will start it, it will keep getting easier. Start writing out a list of things that you want to be praying for. Uh, Start uh, uh, off praying for your family. Start praying for your kids. Pray for uh, your parents. Pray for your grandparents. You know, Just begin to start praying together and, and see how that can continue to grow and build. And here's the third thing that I want you to do is to seek God separately for a word or seek God separately for an area of concern that you both have. If there's something that you're struggling with financially, if there's something you're going through with a child, if there's uh, something that's happening at one of your workplaces and separately, I want you to decide on the thing that you're gonna seek God for together and then separately ask the Lord to to speak to you about it throughout the week. And at the end of the week, I want you to come back together and say, here's what I believe the Lord has said to me. And then after that, start doing it. Those are the three things that I want to challenge you with. This is your marriage challenge going into this week, is to do these three things every day. And so in closing, I want you to remember that we are fighting against very difficult odds in in our marriages, against 50% odds that they are going to fail. And it just so happens, if it just so happens to make it for whatever reason, there's a good chance that it won't be alive or vibrant. But here's what I want you to understand. You can take those odds and do what everybody else is doing, or you can get serious about your marriage, and you can really start going after the one with your two and see how God can transform your marriage. Make a decision that from this day forward, when you leave out those doors and you go home, that you're going to seek God together or you're going to seek the one while you're preparing and and waiting for your two. And listen, when you do this, I understand that the odds are greatly stacked against you, but God's going to begin to transform that and change that. And and I want to leave you with some other statistics that I found as I was studying and preparing for this message. Now there's an organization called Family Life and they did a survey of thousands of married couples uh, that love the Lord, that they called themselves Christian. And so they, they uh, did a survey with thousands of couples and here's a, a statistic that they discovered inside of those Christian marriages that fewer than 8% of Christian couples pray together regularly. Did, did you hear that? In thousands of marriages, fewer than 8% of Christian couples pray together regularly. And we wonder why our world is going the way it's going. We wonder why we're struggling in our marriage. We wonder why we're struggling with raising kids. It's because we're missing out on something I believe that is key and foundational in our marriages. And so that statistic is honestly very disappointing for me to hear as a pastor But here's something that I want you to catch that's the encouraging thing on the other side of this. That 8% that prayed together regularly, pay attention to this statistic. Of that 8%, fewer than 1% divorced. Of the 8% that prayed together regularly, fewer than 1% of them divorced. Man, that's the kind of odds that I like. You know what that means? If you are praying together and seeking the one with your two, that means that there's a 99% chance of your marriage succeeding. But I believe it's not just succeeding, but it would be flourishing because God would be intricately involved in your everyday running around lives. And so which odds do you want today? Do you want to model your marriage based on everyone else's? Or do you want to model your life based on a a life that is surrendered to Jesus, to a marriage that is surrendered to Jesus? Make this decision from this day forward. We seek God first. Say that with me. We seek God first. And maybe you're thinking, well, Blake, we don't do that. That's just a part of our marriage that they do their own thing, I do my own thing, and we go our own separate ways. You know, maybe that was okay for a season, but today, from this day forward, make a choice that your marriage is going to be different. Or maybe you're, you're thinking, but Blake, listen, we were just arguing and fighting in the car on the way here, and there is no way that I'm going to be the first one to, to break the silent treatment. You know, I'm even kind of sitting over here this side of my chair so that our arms aren't touching because I'm mad, I'm frustrated. Can I just say that's okay? That's part of married life sometimes. But from this moment forward, you're gonna make a choice that you're gonna be the mature one, that you're gonna be the first one to break the silence, that you're gonna be the one that says, hey, can we pray together tonight before we go to sleep? Make a decision from this day forward, it's gonna be different. Maybe you're thinking, well, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to seek God together. Here's my encouragement to you to make this commitment from this day forward to start. To to start small, to, to begin simple and learn and grow in seeking God together. It's gonna be awkward and weird at first, but the more you do it, the more life that you're gonna find it, the more you're gonna see that God is gonna strengthen you. And so I wanna encourage you to grab the hand of your two, And never stop seeking the one. Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.